0: The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the content providers and should not be viewed as an endorsement of any product or service, nor does it reflect the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. This is
1: Paul Edwards, and welcome to Tuesday Topics. Um, we appreciate the extra bit of music at the end. It was very nice. <laughs> <laughs>
2: you gotta get a jingle. Gotta get yeah. a jingle,
1: boy. We do. We do. So the the voice that you just heard in the background is my co-host, Mr. Brian Charleston. Hello, Brian.
2: Hello, one and all. Yeah, uh, and there you
1: go. Marianne also giggled in the background. Miss uh, Miss Marianne, how are you, dear?
3: I'm well, thank you.
1: That is excellent. And we we do have our our producer in chief with us this evening. Uh who, at least for a while, I think he may have to leave a little later, but Mr. Rick, how are you, sir? He's already left ah <laughs> 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 that's what i that's what I like. I just wasn't watching,
0: yeah, he loves um, to pick up his cues <laughs>
1: yeah oh well and and we, we also have our streamer, Mr Larry Gassman Taylor. Hello, there. And you had a convention last weekend.
0: I did. Up in Sacramento. In Sacramento, Northern California for California Council of the Blind. Had a great deal of fun. Lots of sleep deprivation. And we enjoyed it thoroughly. We had a great time.
2: You weren't one of the actors in the play, were you?
0: I was not. But I suggested it Mm. to Regina from old radio because I knew about this play. I've known about it for several decades. And she said, we're looking for something to play about that where blind people are the subject. And I thought Country of the Blind would be great. And, of course, it was written originally by H.G. Wells. And they put it together and did a great job. And uh, we had a good time with it. It was well well done.
1: And 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 if folks who are listening are not aware, um, you can look back through our Tuesday topic archives and find a program that we did about it, which includes a a uh, a rendition of the play.
0: That's right. That's right. Um, what was that so, about a year ago? Something like that?
1: Yes. Yeah. So we, that's, that's about right. It probably a, a little less than that because I think it was done in conjunction with CCB last year. Um, and then, like two weeks or three weeks after that, um, it happened on Tuesday Topics.
4: Anyway, Speaking look at our
1: archives. Tuesday topics. Um, those of you who have read our announcement will know that we are we are trying another of our little experiments that we are wont to try, um, and we encouraged people to get here early so that they could have the opportunity of deciding which of the three topics that we are going to, that we had planned to discuss tonight we're going to discuss first. And so pretty quickly I'm going to ask Miss Marianne to see if anybody has their hand up, see if somebody wants to choose. She's dun dun dun,
2: dun. Dun, dun dun dun. I like an experiment. There's, There's a
3: Terrell right has Terrell, and then Jewel. So just huh. give me a second. Okay, Terrell.
5: Yes, I'm, uh, I'm Terrell, and uh, I thought it would be a good idea to talk about uh, the one where uh, something that ACB could advocate for that we've um, good. never advocated before. Uh, for. I like that um, one. So, and uh, yeah, because I have an idea one. for that. So
1: Yep, I'll read that one and stay on the line. I'll let you give your idea. ACB says it's interested in receiving feedback from its members. Here's your chance. What activity or approach or initiative that you think ACB is not doing much about, would you like the organization to pursue? Pursue, i to speak. Think out of the box. What do people who are blind need? And what does the rest of the world need to know about blind people that ACB can tell them? So, there we go. Carol, tell us.
5: Right. So there is, and I've I've seen it on uh, TV a lot, and I've I've I use it, and I think it would be really good if ACB would partner uh, with this company and really make it universally accessible. Is uh, Direct TV Stream? I think a lot of people, you know, it's really heavily marketed on TV and. You know, I I think in that space would um, some...
1: I'm not sure I know what you're talking about. Help me a little bit more. Describe this more.
5: So DirecTV Stream is a service that... uh, It's a TV streaming service. And uh, it allows you to watch uh, most of the major cable channels. Um, They just recently... Of course, depending on the package that you buy, they just recently implemented all of the channels uh, that are legally set out by the uh, cable, by the uh, FCC. They just recently implemented audio description in all of that. So I would like to see uh, uniform accessibility across... Uh, devices, you know, iPhone, uh, TV streaming devices, uh, things like that. Um, okay.
1: So uh, let me be sure I understand. You're not talking about DirecTV as the satellite service. You're talking about a streaming service that DirecTV makes available that that you can subscribe to every month?
5: Yes, that's correct. It's it's a no-contract service, so it's, it's as... Uh, pretty much uh, month to month. And there, yeah, so that's that's what... Uh, now, why,
1: why would you choose DirecTV as a <coughs> streaming service over the... Gosh, there are probably, Brian probably knows more than I do, but there are probably at least 20 or 25 similar streaming services that allow multiple channels.
5: Um, for one reason and probably the biggest one is that uh, all of the again the amount of audio description that you can get with that um, they're the only streaming service that I'm aware of that uh, all of the channels have audio description the the ones that
2: all of the channels
5: I
1: don't think so I mean it's a nice idea
2: well I'm, I'm so when we you said that they have hundreds of channels, is that true?
5: That is true, but the all of the channels that are laid out, you know, with uh, that are on the uh, ADP list have audio description. Ah, so they pass through the AD track
2: when they send it out. When to it's
5: them. there,
1: I, I
2: think. Yes, when, it, when it is there. When it yes, is yes, that, that yeah. is
5: correct. They they Sorry. pass when. When it is there on the channels that they that that the ADP list supports, they they pass through the AD track.
1: So do you have do you have um, the service now, Terrell? I do. Mm-hmm. So how
5: hard is it to turn audio description on? It depends on the device. Um, there's a little arrowing that you have to do. Uh, it's it's not hard but it could be better
1: how many keystrokes
5: uh let's see on say for example fire tv there's uh, one I'd say about five or six maybe yeah
3: and are they keystrokes that are spoken um or are they do you have to memorize what the keystrokes are
5: They are spoken to some degree. Um, I, I remember on the Fire TV, it was a long time ago since I've tried that. I've recently switched to Roku, which does make it a little easier to turn audio description on. And it's permanently set on the Roku as opposed to the Fire TV, which when you change channels... The audio description, the the audio track, reverts back to the default audio so, track.
1: The direct TV streaming service d- doesn't go directly into your TV.
5: W- what do you mean? Um, if
2: you have a smart TV, does Direct TV communicate directly to your smart TV, or do you need an intervening thing such as a Fire Stick? Or a Roku. Or
1: Roku, right?
5: They do have apps for uh, Google TV, uh, Roku with with the built in TV. Yes, yeah, so most of the uh, the smart TVs do have apps. The only thing, uh, yes, it's it's for Google TV, Roku's, um, Apple TV, all all of the the. Cool. Major smart TVs have it. Mm-hmm. Yep, Terrell.
1: That's a. It's 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 a really interesting idea. Clearly, um, we need to find ways to try to make uh, a wider range of audio description easily available to folks who are blind and visually impaired. And I mm-hmm. and I think it's well worth um, our our encouraging ACB to take a look at the Directv streaming component. Um, the the DirecTV satellite system um, did not have um, did not have a system for turning audio description on and off um, that that I think complied with the federal regulations for emergency communications, and I ended up filing a complaint with regard to that. And they claimed to have fixed it, but it never worked properly, even after they fixed it. So.
5: Um, um. So I can speak to that a little bit, um, uh-huh. to, to my knowledge, and I don't know when this was, because I only have the occasion to use the the DirecTV satellite um, on, on a rare occasion, but I, I do yep. some. Um, there is a way to do it. You simply press the info button and hold the up arrow on the Genie remote for about... Yeah. Three seconds, and then it will turn it on.
1: It's supposed to. It 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 worked for about a week or a week and a half on mine, and then stopped working.
5: Okay, I have used it pretty recently, and it it did work. Very good. Um, any other questions for Carol, Mister
1: Bride? Just when when people
2: uh, want ACB to take on something new, um, it's always interesting to for me to see what members don't know ACB is doing. Just this week, there was a lot of discussion on the ADP list about, you know, uh, we should be doing this, we should be doing that, we should be doing the other thing. And uh, what's her name now? Tabitha, the new staff member for ACB, Mm -hmm. who's kind of in charge of ADP uh, activities. I just sent out a post yesterday or day before, outlining in a bulleted list kind of fashion five things that the uh, ADP group are working on, and uh, I think it's it's pretty impressive. Would this fit into any of those? I, I recommend that you take a look at that post from Tabitha, um, mm-hmm. and and see if any of that hits. Hits the mark for you,
1: yeah, and and I know that uh, I know Terrell's on the ADP list because I think I've seen some posts from you, Mr. Terrell,
5: right? Right, and I have uh emailed them uh regarding accessibility, but it's there's you know some response or, or not a whole lot of response. It's it's kind of like you know, yep. if if there's an update you know that that's good and and maybe. Uh, a little accessibility fix will come with that update, uh-huh. or or yeah. not. I think the hardest device with them um, is the iPhone. Um, it's 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 navigable, but it could be better.
1: Gotcha, Mr. Terrell. Thank you so much for your idea.
6: Miss mm-hmm.
1: Marianne, do we have any other hands?
3: Yes, Jewel has her hand raised.
1: Jewel, I hope you wanna talk about number three.
7: <laughs> I do actually, um,
0: about
7: the advocacy topic. Yep. Um, so mine is something that is a quite big. Um, it would take a lot of work, but it, no, I've not seen any work done it. And that is rural transportation for people with disabilities who can't drive. Um, mm-hmm. So if you don't live within the city limits and three quarters of miles from a, from a bus stop usually, the only transportation you have is usually a Lyft, Uber, and um, uh, Medicaid transportation, Medicaid transportation, if you are lucky to have that. So uh, as of January, I moved to the city. But if I had had transportation, I would not have done that. I want to live in the country where I can have gardening and animals and stuff. I was I'm a country girl but I cannot uh-huh. do that because I will not have transportation. Where I was living before, the only transportation I had independently was Medicaid transportation. If I yep. wanted to get Lyft or Uber, it was a $35 surcharge, not affordable at all. Just to go into town, you know, $70 for a round trip and the mileage. Um, I think there really needs to be some work done for affordable transportation outside of the bus lines. Um, paratransit is wonderful, but if you don't live three quarters of a mile from bus stop, you're out of luck. Yeah, I really think some more work should be done for that. I know in my area in Bowling Green, they're actually putting out a survey to kind of see what the interest is for, um, transportation out of the, outside the city. Um, mm-hmm. so in the surrounding counties and I'm planning on doing that survey, I've got to call up the library and get that survey and i think that could be something that we could really work on um blind people shouldn't be limited to just living in the city if we want to be farmers we should be allowed to be farmers we want to be in the suburbs we should be allowed to be in the suburbs
1: yeah so i I think I i think the point that you raise is a really good one um and 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 i think that you're you're also correct um, that there that there aren't any really good solutions uh, for for r- rural transportation mm-hmm. um and um i I don't know of a lot of states that have come up with really good systems for solving yeah. uh, rural transportation stuff at this point, so I think it certainly is something um that that a c b ought to be um looking at more. Have you been keeping in touch with? with what our transportation committee has been doing uh miss Jewell,
7: i've been trying to um i have gone to some of the transportation calls and i have brought this issue up a couple of times um and just kind of look, keeping an eye on what they're doing um but i haven't been able to really follow a lot
1: yeah well um <laughs> i think ron brooks is sending messages out um, somewhat and i would i would encourage you to send him an email um okay. indicating your concern um so that uh, so that he can put it on the list that the transportation um group is 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 considering
7: okay um i i know I it's also a problem oh, sorry go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, was, I was just gonna say i know it's a problem for people with other disabilities as well i have a friend in washington sure State, is. for example um yep. she moved out into the suburbs because she couldn't afford to live in seattle but now she's in the suburbs, she's worried that she's going to lose her paratransit because the um, commuter line that goes out to the suburbs might close down. If that closes well, down, she loses her paratransit and can't get to work then. Yeah, because there's no other transportation.
1: Yeah, that's scary. Yeah. Brian, yeah. you were going to say? I was
2: going to say that you know there are really three levels of transportation, right? There's the big metro one like we have here in Boston. And then you have Regional transportation authorities, RTAs. And those tend to be uh, separate transit systems that uh, are in smaller spaces. Now, small does not necessarily mean, you know, um, the Ozarks or something, you know, Uh, it means cities of under 50,000, that kind of thing, RTAs. And paratransit, you're absolutely right, it's only required. To be available within three quarters of a mile mm-hmm. of a fixed route, mm-hmm. and if that route is eliminated, then paratransit gets eliminated.
1: Right. Or what's but, often true, true is is that there there is no um, bus service in in rural areas and in small towns. Right.
7: Well, where and I was living, oh, I'm sorry.
2: I was going to say one of the things that I think has Value you mentioned using Uber or Lyft, and it is very cost prohibitive. But here in the Boston area, they now issue, uh, I'll call it a a card, that allows you to use a certain number of Uber or Lyfts um, at the cost of the transit system, not at your cost. You pay the first $3, which is what a paratransit ride would cost. They pick up the next $48. This mm. is one way, and you pay everything over $48. Mm. Um, and our transit authority is saying, you know, that's a lot cheaper
7: yeah, uh, that for us would to provide. That would definitely help people around here. Like until January, I was living out in um, Barron County outside of Glasgow, Kentucky, and it was four miles outside of town. In order to get the four miles into town i had to either ask a friend i could get medicaid transportation to a doctor's appointment but only to the doctor's appointment nothing else or i could pay for an uber or lyft that would be 35 dollars first just for them to get there each way and then you know the cost of the mileage for the four miles into town now that starts at 70 dollars just to go the four miles into town yeah not good so So that's not going to happen but, but one thing of the
2: things i am I'm looking forward to is, you know, um judge the Secretary of Transportation, got a huge amount of money from Congress to do things dealing with infrastructure out oh. there. Yes, that means bridges and roads and oh. dams and and such things, but it also includes transportation systems such as airports and bus systems and Mm -hmm. rail systems as well so i'd like to see them fund some answers to the rural transportation problem
7: definitely thank you for taking this topic up
1: right and i think one final suggestion and then we're going to move on to to the next call um and that is that virtually every county um is required to have some kind of a Uh, of a transportation group, Um, and it would be really appropriate if you can find out whether um, how your county does transportation planning, and to perhaps either try to speak to those folks about what your concerns are, uh, or alternatively, see if there's a spot for you as a disabled person um, working on the MPO, which is called, is often called the Metropolitan Planning Organization, is what is what some of these transit things are. But in order to receive federal funds, they have to have these groups in each county that are doing planning. And I would encourage you to try to find out from your county authorities what that one is and see if you can get involved.
7: That sounds like a good plan. I'll, I'll look into that. Thank you.
1: You're Good welcome. Luck. Thank you very much for your call. Thank you. Hmm. Miss Marion, let's see if we have another number yes, three person.
3: We do, Peter. Da
1: da. Peter, Peter, you got to talk about number three.
3: Uh-huh. You can unmute, Peter.
2: Where is that darn unmute button? Yeah. Where is that?
3: Thank Where is that, unmute. Peter? He's been given permission to
1: unmute. It's not Easter yet, so we can't talk about rabbits.
3: We have one more person coming up if you want to wait until he figures Peter that rabbits.
1: out. Yeah, Peter. Hello, Rabbit. rabbits.
3: There you are.
8: Hey, sorry about that. I, I thought you were doing an auto-unmute, so I was just no, starting to No, I can't unmute. I can't unmute you. <laughs> My fault. No That's problem. Okay. I, I, I got it covered. You're here so, now. So, so, um, continuing on forward with the uh, with the advocacy um, theme here. Yeah. One of the things, one of the things I would be very interested in to see is if ACB could think about developing a program where they could act as a unified, loud, central, big voice for the blind to Apple. Currently, right now, when there's an issue, we have to call in, and we're a single voice. And unless you're basically um, not willing to give up like I am uh, and keep trying and trying and trying, the likelihood of you getting a solution done in any reasonable timeline is probably not good. Uh, we're all... The Sir, wonderful- you- Just
1: to just to clarify, Peter, you're talking about you're talking about say problems with the iOS system or problems with the the Mac system,
8: right? I'm an iOS user. I'm on an iPhone and iPad. So the operating system and the Apple programs that are their native programs, you know, Pages, Mail, Messages, Numbers, all kind of stuff. Stuff that's theirs. That's not a third party. So often what happens is is that things get Um, shall we say messed up when they do an update updates and and what happens my belief is that just how things work is that apple's like everybody else the company is basically a sighted perspective company like all companies Mm -hmm. and so while they do a really wonderful job of providing accessibility they're not really that attuned across the board as to what that means And so what happens is, and I think you're all well aware of this, is like something gets broken, and it's up to us to try to call in and convince them that it's broken, that it's real, that it's a problem. And that takes a lot of effort to do. And as a single voice, you know, I found that that's very hard to do. I spent the last six months talking to many, many people, finally got to some super senior advisors within Apple to fix the fact that when iOS 16 came out, and, and at that time, the Pages app came out, that the ability as a blind person to do text selection was corrupted. You no longer could do it. And that meant you really couldn't edit. You really couldn't work in Pages. And I will say this, last week, it finally got corrected. So, you know, it really killed my productivity because I've always been in Pages. I've always supported using the Apple products over the other stuff because... I can call it accessibility, and it's their stuff, and theoretically, they can help me, or you know, they have to help me. So if it's a third party, obviously, you're going to hear the standard thing, well, we can't help you, that's a third party. So that's why I tended to stay with pages, even though I could work in other things. But that is just one example of many, 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 many examples where the blind basically are acting as beta testers for accessibility after the fact. And a lot of that is because Apple's beta testing program is very limited. It requires a user to buy a second phone and have a second phone with a second account, so when an update comes out, that they can test it and not have it corrupt their 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 own phone or tablet.
1: Yeah, I mean so, now, Apple doesn't require them to have a second phone, but but they but it it it, it would be silly to risk your main phone. It, so exactly, yeah. Exactly.
8: I would not even consider it. Um, right. And so I think what happens with them, a lot of cases, and I don't mean this uh, against anybody, but there's a lot of people out there who think they might be advanced users, but they're really not. Or they really want to be beta testers, but they yeah. might not have the full knowledge field to be able to do that. So Apple is not getting good beta testing feedback from the blind community. And that I think that's the crust of what I'm saying, is that we need to figure out a way to work with Apple and develop a real beta testing program where we find these things prior to them being released because then it takes a long time. And, like, say, it's six months. This is a major item. That was a major flagship program of theirs. And the fact that you could not select multiple lines of text or words, it mm-hmm. means you couldn't edit. That means you couldn't do a lot of things. And it was one of those things, like, you know, uh, in if I was testing that, I mean, I found it when I that. when it it first came out back in September, it took me about three minutes to realize that they had a major problem. Mm -hmm. Well, obviously nobody had properly beta tested that.
1: Yeah, Brian, any thoughts?
8: Uh,
2: I serve on the Information Access Committee of ACB have for decades. And what you're describing is a constant problem, not just with Apple, but with virtually any of the big boys, if you will, out there. It's like trying to change the direction of the titanic you know <laughs> it takes 5 days for it to move 1 degree off off the previous course of activity when it comes to acbs relationship with apple with google with microsoft with um amazon you know the biggies um mm-hmm. uh, we do have ongoing relationships with them part of the committee Issue has always been that uh, we don't hear from people about these kinds of issues. So, the Information Access Committee has recently established a complaint, if you will, form (laughs) that you can go to ACB and register the nature of the problem you're having. Now, this will be very much like working with the Department of Justice or the FCC. One person's complaint uh, will be overwhelmed by some other complaint that 12 people have. You with me? You got to prioritize, you know, right. bang for your buck kind of, kind of situation. So there will be an announcement um, in the next couple of months in the Braille Forum about this new tool for people to register problems with all things
8: technology. And, and that's great, but that remains it as an after-the-fact issue. Oh, and yes. I'm trying to propose. Do you listen it. to, do you listen to um, Jonathan Mosen? Uh, I have at times, but I, I don't know what you're talking about directly. He, in this particular case, almost every one of his programs
2: include some attempt to communicate as a blind user high up enough in the food chain of a major company to get their attention and it's almost inevitable that what you get is thank you for your input uh we've put that on our list um yep. have a nice
8: day and that's where <laughs> and, i think yeah. acp could become a leader here and the fact yep let me finish please okay. that, yeah. that they could that they could go ahead and try to work with some of these companies i mean let's face this most of the the blind people are on Apple products, but so I mean they're obviously a target. But the other other ones would be good too. But to work with them to develop a real beta testing program for accessibility because it's lacking and everything remains to be after the fact. And and as good as what you just described with the form and all that and filling out the forms, that's after the fact. And and yes, it would be great to okay they they have the same twenty. Uh, requests from 20 different people that might be a little greater voice but what i'm trying to say here is for the uh, acb to develop a proactive program where we can go ahead and get a real beta testing program in place that picks up on the stuff before it ever happens to us so that's really what i was trying to stress for here tonight so let me understand
1: yep let me go ahead talk about two things very quickly and 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 First, um, there have been efforts over the last couple of years to try to craft resolutions that would be sent to Apple, in particular. As a matter of fact, and uh, those those resolutions, uh, one was I think, I, if I remember correctly, one was actually passed last year, and and was sent to Apple um, that 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 did suggest to them that they weren't paying sufficient attention to disability issues and that they were much more concerned about um, rushing to market with with new features, whether, whether they impacted people with disabilities or not. Mm-hmm. So we certainly hear what you're saying. Um, in addition to that, um, I would encourage you um, to write to the Information Access Committee. Who's chair now, Brian? It
2: remains Jeff Bishop
1: yep so okay. i I would encourage you to write to Jeff Bishop and suggest to him um, that you think it would be good if uh, if ACB actually brought together a group of beta testers uh, for the iPhone um, who would be prepared to uh, to make reports but I think the the other thing that I would say to you is there there are there are a lot of things that don't even emerge until after uh, the, the the final release of products. So the beta testing product actually works okay, but then when the release version comes out, there are bugs.
8: Um, and that's but, always true, yes. Yeah. But, I, but I, I think we could do a better job here. So I, I do uh, too. Reaching out to Jeff Bishop, we get yep. is it just Jeff Bishop at, at ACB? What's, what's his email? No, um,
0: Jeff at Jeff Bishop. Jeff at it's jbishop at acb.org. J Bishop. Got it. Yep. Thank you. I'll do
8: it. that. Good thank luck. You. Very yeah. good. And thank, thank
1: you so much for your call. It really is a good idea, and I and I hope that that you will that you will get involved with sharing feedback on things that are issues with with Apple products, especially since you use both the iPad
8: and the iPhone. Okay. Well, thank you. I'll reach out to Jeff then. Excellent. And on for later on here. Thank Good. You. Right.
1: Excellent. Miss Marianne. Yes.
3: You may yes. unmute, Beth.
9: All right. Hello, everybody. Thank you very much. I would like to bring up something which I think has been given. Not too much attention anywhere in the blindness field because maybe the need has not been seen, but I certainly do see it, and that is to have another choice for mobility besides the cane and the dog. There are some people who have trouble using one or the other or both, and there are some who do not wish to use one or the other or both, and I have been hearing about certain things which are in the pipeline, one of which is called the STRAP, S-T-R-A-P. It is something that you wear. I cannot answer any questions about it. I have not seen it. It's not even out yet to my knowledge. But it can actually sense where you have steps and curbs and obstacles and all kinds of stuff. And I don't know this, but they may be working on some kind of route management system as well but i believe that with the wonderful technology that we now have we shouldn't waste it we should try to use it in all capabilities that we can and i think this is a big topic which really should get some more attention
1: i think that's a a very good point um i i think one of the things we should probably do is is put um, uh, orientation mobility down as a Tuesday topic and try to encourage some of our folks who are OM instructors and who keep abreast of some of the new developments in, um, in uh, orientation mobility to come on and talk to us about those. Um, it's, it, it, it is interesting because there are all kinds of options that are available to people who are to doing O and M now that never existed before. Um, there are GPS programs. There are some indoor signage approaches that are being um, that are being tested now. Um, there is uh, there is the, the the program that Microsoft developed, which I which I guess no longer is operational. It but, is not. But it was a. It was a pretty cool program when it was out there, um, and and that essentially was one that that in, enabled you to set up beacons and and that kind of thing for for where you were, and and there are there are a number of other approaches that are being developed by uh, programs like Be My Eyes that that are. Uh, are going to end up helping in terms of orientation mobility, and I think you're absolutely correct when you say that we need to highlight more of the the systems that are out there um, that that can uh, that can supplement what we have. But I don't know, Beth, and and maybe you can tell us how you feel about this. I don't know that any of the stuff that's out there would say um, that. That they think what they're proposing would allow you to to stop using either a dog or a cane.
2: The strap does. Well, well it claim it claims. Uh, this well, I mean that
9: that's what they said, and and I, you know, I, I have no personal knowledge of it, but I'm just telling you what what I have heard from the company.
2: Right, I again, I don't know if you know my background, but I ran a computer training center for 34 years at the Carroll Center for the Blind. And because I live in the Boston area, we have more colleges and universities than any other city on the planet. And that includes MIT (laughs) and, and others. So I got called in for decades to look at inventors' ideas for doing some of these things. And it becomes more and more possible as the years go on to achieve what you're describing. There's a couple of issues that come with this. Doesn't mean that it's not worth pursuing. I absolutely believe that, you know, just because that's the way we've always done it is not a reason to do it tomorrow. So, but nonetheless, there have been things like laser canes. So that you are, since you're already holding a cane, it sent out um, basically what amounted to, to... as LIDAR kind of thing to look around your environment more than where the tip of the cane is. So it could detect steps down before your cane would detect steps down. The problem that they've all had up to this point is reliability. Mm -hmm. How reliable would an O&M device have to be before you did something that was potentially life-threatening? It would have to be one hundred percent reliable, wouldn't it? For me, it would. I don't want to take a one chance in a hundred that when I step off the curb, I'm going to step into a in front of a car. That's just not good enough for me to rely. No, on it.
9: and of course, with human error being as it always is, yeah, I, I hate to tell it tell you, but I doubt that we're ever going to get a hundred percent. I wish we could.
1: Yeah, I I think you may well be right, but but I think that's one of the reasons why. Um, people are so unwilling to um, to trust devices that that don't encourage you to use a cane or a dog. Let
2: yeah, it's me just- also an insurance issue that, that has right. been used to explain why they don't. If you use Ira to navigate, it does a spectacular job. Somebody's looking through your iPhone at the world around you and telling you whatever you need to know. But... They will not tell you when it's safe to cross the street.
9: I thought that they had will changed as of a couple of years ago.
2: No. The, they will tell you what they see, but they will not advise you what to do. You with me? They'll say it's a four-way intersection. The light has turned red or the light has turned green or there's a car in front of you that may turn right on red, you know those kinds of things. But they will not say it's safe to cross now. Their insurance carrier would absolutely pitch a fit. Now, it's getting better. I, I For example, self-driving cars are have a much better safety record than we humans do. Much better. Uh, and that's why insurance companies would love us all to be in self-driving cars. Because... Yeah their payout would be much less if we were doing the, so.
1: The other issue is that every single law that protects blind people when they're walking around says you either have to have a white cane or a dog. Yeah, you'd have to change legislatively. So, I mean, there's a lot that you'd have to change to if you wanted to do what you want to do. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea. And I think you're right to ask ACB to pay attention um, to new developments in o and um, that so that, uh, so, that uh, so that they can they can provide good advice to their members on what works and what doesn't well
2: I also think one other thing uh, in the favor of your discussion here and that is that I just don't believe that it's right to think that there is the solution to a problem there are different strokes for different folks uh, partly based on um, Need partly based on want, uh partly based on other personal factors involved in that. So I, I would not like to live in a world where you had to use a cane and only a cane, or where you had to use a dog and only a dog.
9: Right. And so that's I appreciate why I having hope I said at right. the very beginning that I, right. Said it was to be a choice. I exactly. meant to say it if I did exactly.
1: You did. You nope. did. You did. You did. I'm just agreeing yep. with you on that. Yep. Miss Beth, thank you very much for your call.
9: Thanks, guys.
1: Yep, excellent, Miss Marianne.
9: You have no hands
3: currently.
1: Very good. All right. So um, we we now have the opportunity to see if any of this group has uh, things that they think ACB should be working on, but isn't. Uh, Miss Marianne, got any thoughts?
10: Um, you know. I-
3: I, I was thinking about this, and one of the things I think might be really cool is if we did more peer-to-peer training type things. So, like you know, maybe people could, uh, maybe there could be a list for people who I have expertise in, and will, and I'm willing to train. Um, I think that might be something that ACB could do more of. Um, and I'm not talking about advocacy; I'm just talking about what ACB could do more of. Um, and then so tra- um,
1: training in like what oh, uh, technical Marianne?
3: things so you know technologies or um, like uh, using an
1: iPhone yeah using um, an
3: iPhone or um, apps
6: um, mm-hmm.
3: computer apps um, you know so when Windows came out with Windows 11 you know there mm-hmm. are some real new features there I, I think peer-to-peer training would be a nice um,
1: addition. so, so m- what would ACB's role be there?
3: Um, well, they'd be setting up a list for one thing. Maybe community yep. calls. Maybe yep. some of the community calls could be um, dedicated to that kind of thing.
1: Or perhaps perhaps setting up a, a, a whole system where peer-to-peer training could happen. Um, I, I guess one of my questions is um, there are a number of blind people who make their living um, by providing technology training are we going to undercut their ability to do that um, if we offer peer-to-peer training
3: maybe they could be part of the whole maybe there are people maybe it could be a a kind of volunteer thing and or um, some of those people who are looking for customers could look among their peers here. Um, And the other thing I wanted to say to um, Peter is um, when he writes to Jeff Bishop, he might want to suggest that um, they develop a questionnaire for people who want to be beta testers. Um, Do you, do you know how to perform these functions? Um, Because what do you what I hear him saying is that some of the beta testers aren't, um, Aren't necessarily using yeah. all of the features on their iPhone, so maybe a questionnaire should be developed. If we are going to take any kind of responsibility for gathering beta testers, maybe there should be a questionnaire developed.
1: Yeah, I think so, there has to be standards, so I think that's a really right. good point. I guess, um, I guess it's it's the biggest question, and maybe maybe Brian, you'll want to comment on on what I'm about to say. I I think one of the toughest things that ACB has to deal with, um, and and I would guess that that organizations <laughs> like the Carroll Center had to deal with as well, is is knowing whether a problem is with an app or uh, or a program or with the operator. Right. That is
2: always a problem. That's always a Dirt. that's always a point. During my time in the classroom, um, I always said that there are three parts to a computer system. The software, the hardware, and the jellyware. Yeah. And the jellyware is the human part. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's the part that typically isn't quite up to snuff, as opposed mm-hmm. to the hardware and software. And so few blind or visually impaired people get training of any kind on technology. For, for the system to pay for you to get training requires that you be an active VR client and that your VR counselor thinks you would benefit from training and that they have money in their budget to pay for such a thing. Or if yeah. you're in the education system where it's deemed through your IEP that you need that kind of training to do it. But that eliminates three-fourths of people don't get training. They people. learn by accident or by friendly, like you say, peer-to-peer kind mm-hmm. of stuff. Here in Massachusetts, the Mass Association for the Blind and Visually Impaired have a peer-to-peer volunteer system um, to reach out to people who wouldn't otherwise qualify for training, and and there's a process to get to that that answer. And they use as their primary means. Um, Volunteer drivers who drive blind or visually impaired computer users to one another's homes for them to take teach one on one. That's the other oh, thing when it comes to peer to peer. Good idea. When you do one to one, it's so much more effective than yep. when you're doing one to many. Yeah. I did a lot of online training uh, in my career, and especially if the training's not going to be a one time event if it's going to be a series that you're going to participate in and joe doesn't show up for the second lesson but he does show up for the third one and you get to spend all of the third class bringing joe up to speed right right then yep. it just gets worse and worse as you go down yep. a multi whatever but i think peer to peer that's how i learned almost everything i know in all yeah, honesty i agree i call it the charles yeah. and mooch method <laughs> Me too. i'll teach you something yep. in my ability And I would love if you would teach me something in your ability. Uh, So, it's a bartering kind of thing as well. Paul, I... So,
0: go ahead, Larry. I, I agree with Marianne completely because we've talked about this a lot. And one of the things that we're doing with the Information Access Committee in July is it's, it's a several-day session on accessibility, and we realize we can't cover everything. There's way too much to cover. But at least when we finish, we'll be able to talk to people about, if you see a problem with accessibility, you should be able to, with the proper training and some of the things maybe that will get you'll get tips from from people who will bring in, is you'll be able to recognize that there's a problem and then what to do about it and you won't just arbitrarily say, "Oh, it's a JAWS problem," or it's a, it's a screen reader problem. Maybe it's a website problem. Maybe it's your problem. But you'll be able to yep. make those kinds of diagnoses. Almost
5: a little bit. Uh, yes, yep.
0: yeah, yep. and and we'll get into a yep. little bit more than that. But that's a lot of what we're going to be doing in July. That's exciting. So the Carroll good... Center
2: actually has a class where once a quarter they put together a class. And train blind and visually impaired people to evaluate websites for accessibility and to write up a report that is not a technical report, but a user report, if you will. Right. And it's proven quite successful.
1: When I designed um, the curriculum for an access technology course at Miami Dade College, um, 25% of the final grade for the class um, involves uh, solving a problem that's given to students as part of their final exam, an, an access technology problem. Um, so it, it might it might simply be um, something that 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 doesn't appear to work, but has a relatively easy fix if people will will change a jaws setting, um, but. I'm not going to tell them what they need to do to solve the problem. It's up to them to figure it out. And i I got all kinds of um, all kinds of eventual um, pleasure from my students for that part of the curriculum because in before that they had essentially been told you just ask somebody else; they'll tell you how to solve the problem. And that that's not what we we need to be encouraging blind people to do. Yep.
2: Mary you also had mentioned and, and Paul, you had mentioned the difference between a volunteer and somebody who expects paid, you to pay yep. them. Mm-hmm. There are no real I, I should say no. I haven't found any certification process wherein somebody is a certified trainer in the use of whatever yes right freedom scientific will give you a certificate um and there are tests that you can take like with microsoft that you are a, a qualified trainer in word right. or, or whatever right. so there's bits and pieces like that but there is such a difference between knowing how to do something and knowing how to teach somebody yeah to do something that uh,
3: that and um I don't mean to I don't mean to to um, minimize, but um, it, it would be a really awesome start though, if you had peer-to-peer training to get people on the road. like I just know that there are many people who just want to be able to get into their email, to write a document, you know who aren't going to be—you know—they're not going to be Excel users, or they're not going to get deep into any particular thing. They just want to be able to um, use the basics in in their computer or on their phone or, or whatever. And it would be um, terrific if we had people willing to get into it, you know, get into the weeds like that.
1: Would very good, uh, Mr. Larry. Do you have a an, an ACB issue?
0: I've not been able to think of one yet. Uh, a lot of what we just talked will. about, I he will. will. <laughs> but a lot of what back. we talked about is relevant and and good. And I'm sort of piggybacking off of what Marianne <laughs> said. But but you know, I I fully agree with what she's saying, especially because you know we're all getting older, and the people who are younger than us will be getting older, and and there are lots of people still who don't have the faintest idea about. Technology and what to do with it, and and let's face it, we're a world full of technology. Uh, And some of the some of the services that are being offered now may not be eventually for those who don't know technology. So, I I think the training uh, from peers, from other people appointed to to do this, is going to be essential, especially more so in years, especially now that we've got the baby boomer age, and a lot of us have embraced technology, but a lot haven't. And that's a huge, huge audience. And, and I wish I wish ACB, NFB, other blindness organizations would look at this and figure out a way to help. Uh, the, obviously, all the resources don't have to stem with them, but yep. I think it's something that needs to be on the burner, the front burner. Sure, it, but, it sure it, does. It does. It could,
3: because to the point that... Um, we don't qualify so many people who, those who aren't working and, and whatnot don't qualify for VR. Where do they get trained? Right. Right. So that's what I
0: have. Well, you get trained, well, but it's not necessarily I, yeah. organized. Uh,
6: right. No,
3: it's hardly yeah. organized
0: yeah. at right.
1: all.
3: Yeah. Right. We have so, a hand if you're interested. It, in I, I
1: am, or it will be in a moment. Okay. My, my ACB idea, um, has to do with, um, has to do with with trying to determine um what what some of the needs of people who are blind truly are um i i think that um acb uh could benefit uh from reaching out to its members uh, in a variety of ways to ask them some of the questions that we ask today Like, what are, what is the technology you really want? What is a, what, what is the the task that you would like to be able to do that you really can? What are the things that you've learned to do in the last year that's really cool? To get some notion, I guess what I'm suggesting is to get some notion of what the, what the real concerns of our folks are. Um, I, I think we make assumptions, um, for, for the people who are blind who are out there. And I'd like to see ACB um, taking more cognizance of the fact that we are a membership organization and asking our folks more about what they what they like and what they want. So there. And we have a hand, you say.
7: We
3: do. Um, hold on. I'll get back to her. Carla. You may McMurray,
1: unleash. Pennsylvania herself. Mm-hmm.
11: You, can you hear me yes we, we can. can yes we can um i have i have a couple of issues i had one for the new device and things like that or the device that wish i wish exists but i have sort of an acb advocacy issue so good i want to give you um i wish that acb Um, And this piggybacks off of everything we're saying now about training and all that. I wish ACB could figure out a way to advocate for a change in the VR system. I think the system is flawed in that it is uh, for a few reasons. First of all, it seems to be run, um, it seems to be important. The most important thing seems to be case closures. And, you know, I mean, and I I just I wish that there could be a different model where um, instead of constantly this business of closing cases and then it's a pain to get them open. So there are times when you need ongoing help and um, and, you know, it, it's it's I, I wish there was a different model for that. And I wish there was a different model for, you know, the fact that the people that get help, all the people that get help have to have an employment goal. They've, they've just about gotten rid of any of the home, you know, the homemaker, um, and, you know, the homemaker and just people that need, just need help just to do daily activities. And I wish there was some way that ACB could advocate or something could be done about this because. I think it's a flawed system, and I think there's a lot of waste that goes on in the system, and there's a lot of mismanagement that goes on the system because this is the model. So I don't know what you all feel about that, and I I don't like to complain, but this has been something that's been on my mind for years.
1: Both the, the homemaker closure and the unpaid family worker closure, I think, had specific and major uh, relevance to people who are blind or had low vision because many um, used it as kind of a stage of their transition from being sighted people to being blind people who are able to go out and work full time.
3: Absolutely. Um, um,
1: and 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 so I, I was one of those people who fought as hard as I knew how uh, to try to uh, prevent RSA from doing what they did with those two things. So I absolutely agree with you. Um, I, I think that we're going to have to think seriously out of the box, though, Carla, um, in 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 order to come up with an, another way of measuring success, because that's what it's all about with vocational rehabilitation. Um, they they get their funds to a degree um, based on not only how many people they place, but but how many people who actually stay working for x amount of time afterwards. Now, um, and so uh, the the whole the whole funding system for VR is actually s- completely based almost. On the ability to get the closures um, that that usually happen much too fast, and that usually don't involve people getting the kind of training or career advice that they should get. But I don't know how to fix it. Um, so maybe what we're saying, and and maybe what what you're suggesting, is that is that ACB seriously look at coming up with a new paradigm for VR um, that that we can then push.
2: i agree with that i
11: really do because what happens is um you know um uh, even if you're employed your needs change but your case has been closed if your boss well like i'll give you a good example um where i work at my school um they they um you know, we had a, a website, a, you know, a management system, and the yep. PR trained me how to deal with that and JAWS. Then they went and they switched to a whole other thing. And I needed to learn new technology. I had to have a, a, a adaptations made, but my case was closed. And it was just so hard to get it open. And when you think about the way technology changes, even the way people's vision changes when they're losing it. Um, I don't think closures are uh, are appropriate if they could come up with goals and a uh, measure in the goals and
1: interesting what I'm trying to say maybe that's maybe that's a thought, Carla. Um, Brian,
2: I was just one of the things that I found amazing, and I've served on a lots of rehab councils and that kind of stuff over the years. Uh, is the finance behind this? When a rehab agency closes an account, one of two things happen: either they close it because they're not achieving the goal, so they're just closing it because it's just been hanging open for forever, nothing's nothing's happening. So they close those. The other ones is they close because the person has become employed, and the moment that they close that, they are reimbursed by the federal government for every dollar they spent on that individual every dollar comes back for them to reuse elsewhere so a significant so the whole system is driven by the almighty dollar in this regard your state agency could not provide the services that it does under the current model if they didn't turn in some closures in the process is not just a demerit, it is literally money lost uh, in terms of this reimbursement. I got in so much trouble back in the day when Scott Marshall was the uh, governmental affairs director for the ACB and I first moved from Oregon to Massachusetts. I got called in to testify before the House Select Committee on Education and whatever. And it's the agency at that point Or the secretariat that oversaw the rehab system. And I said, you know, I've got three problems with the rehab system. One (laughs) is I have, every time I change jurisdictions, God help me if I move, I have to prove I'm blind again. What's that? You know? (laughs) And this holds true for everybody. If you have got a double enucleation, you have to prove yourself blind again by another doctor's visit for them to declare you're blind in that new state. That was a problem. Two is um, that there's a rush to closure. I took a job that had in the job description, this is a temporary nine-month job. But two days short of the nine months, they closed my case because I was successfully rehabilitated. Not. Uh, and the third one that just blew my mind was the wait period between qualifying for services from an agency and actually receiving them. I moved from a state of 3 million people to a city of 3 million people. Do you think I might have needed a little OM <laughs> under those circumstances? But they said they couldn't get to me for six weeks.
1: That's actually that's actually
2: <laughs> fast. That is appalling. I had to teach myself how to cross Watertown Square, which yep. is anything but square. Gotcha. Anyway, so I totally agree that the rehab system needs a major shakeup. That problem happened when I was done testifying. I got chewed out by the Oregon Commission for the Blind as and I put this in the air quotes, biting the hand that fed me. Mm-hmm. Um, and for that matter, I got chewed out by somebody else that matters to me. And that's Derwood McDaniel. Uh-huh. And he chewed <laughs> me out because I was saying this before a committee during the Reagan administration. And for me, to say anything negative about rehab would just open up the door for them to come in and gut it. But well, I don't think we should be afraid to you know, call it what it is,
1: a broken system. So we, uh, on Tuesday Topics, have talked about the fact that we often get um, bogged down talking about one topic um, to the extent that, The other topics that we've promised we'll talk about, um, we don't. So I am going to declare that we are going to stop talking about number three, and we're going to start talking about uh, either number one or number two. And, um, And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read number one and number two, if I ever can find them again. Um, So number one, what piece of technology would you most like to see that doesn't currently exist? Uh, Others tell us by the technology they make available what we can have. I do not know of any company who's asked folks what they really want. Tuesday Topics is asking you. So that's number one. Number two is uh, a little different. What new application or device have you started using over the past year? And how has that been for you? Have you found the device or app meets your needs? Uh, Have you found that there are problems with the app that you've tried to start to use? And are you disappointed with it? So those are the other two. Questions that we had on the table, and uh, we're going to wait a couple of minutes. Um, in the meantime, Brian, do you have a a, a comment, on either one or two?
2: On uh, both, actually, <laughs> um, I'm going to go with you... two to two right now because Ta-da. the device that I have that I was either very grateful for or very unhappy with Mm -hmm. from a blindness perspective. Um, And that would probably be, um, strangely enough, a cane, a telescoping cane. I thought I came up with the greatest cane ever, and I probably will buy it again, because it's still the best one I've come across. When it telescoped out, it stayed rigid. You could hold it in front of you and wab—you know wave it around, and there was no wobble to it. Yep. It has a spinner tip on it. Um, and uh, it's reasonable weight to it. However, what I found is it doesn't work all that well in... Very low temperatures. It snapped uh, at one of its, I'll call them joints, uh, because it was so cold outside that everything was more brittle than it normally is. So, imperfect, but uh, that's the, I notice it's low tech, but it's still, how nice is it to have a telescoping can yeah. that's as got- reliable as a folding one?
1: i got one uh a a telescopic cane that i really love that that is supposedly made of titanium i hope it's not the same one um but uh but i think it's the best it's the best cane i've ever had too
3: that's the one i have and i adore my cane i think it's awesome
1: yes
2: makes it have you used it in the extreme cold (laughs) no yeah
3: here in florida huh what yeah right (laughs) um it's um maxi aids has them and also um um guide lights and gadgets sells it and guide lights and gadgets sells it in better in more sizes so like um, maxi aids um, has a 48 inch a Mm -hmm. 50 inch and a 54 inch um guide Lights and gadgets has that 52 inch. Um, right. I don't know what yeah. size you're I just on, saw
0: Barry this weekend and I forgot to ask him about that. Yeah, and was he has
3: to. the spinning tip, you know, the roller tips yeah. as
0: well.
1: Right. And he also he also I think now has a 60 inch. So wow. yeah, he might. I I yeah
3: uh, I
6: I <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> he, Again, he was I going to get that get them. cane I
2: absolutely adore that cane yeah. until I got into that cold situation <laughs> and found myself the proud owner of four blowguns.
1: Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Brian. Um, Larry, any any one or twos for you? Oh,
0: Let's do number two right now. Uh, yes and sir. I told you guys this story before we went on tonight. Uh, I had been trying to get an e-reader for a year, and, and it turns out that the e-reader notes are there with Braille Institute, but nobody sent me anything. And this weekend I had to MC a banquet for CCB, And I did, but we made some changes in the script, and I had nothing to actually input, and I had nothing actually to read it with. I did not have a Braille display with me. I thought I could have used my little Olympus, and I could have listened and then dictated based on what I heard. But I didn't want to do that, and a friend of mine said, oh, use my e-reader. And it's got a Braille display. It's a 20-cell Braille display. Uh, there's, As far as I know, there's no way to input information, for instance, if I wanted to do it based on changes. but if, There is not. But if I had an SD card, which we did, we put right. what I needed on the SD card, plugged it into the uh, e-reader, and I was able to read lots of stuff that I probably would have forgotten because uh, I needed just help remembering phrases or, or comments that I had written down. And I loved it, and I had not used it for that intent before. I've heard a lot about it, of course uh and, and so i'm going to um I'll probably have mine by the end of the week as a result, but it was a it's a marvelous piece of technology yeah. it doesn't do everything for you, yep, yeah. but it does enough and, when when needed
1: and we we should also say to to folks um who say, well gosh if it doesn't if it doesn't let me take notes, it's not going to be much use to me." Well the answer is you can take notes, but you have to take notes essentially with it connected to your iPhone or connected to another device right then you can actually use the the components in the iphone um and 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 actually take notes and and um then can can move that that information over to your
0: to your product
2: mm-hmm. were you using the web assuming the what's it called the braille it X? was
0: the humanware.
2: The human error, person, yes, yeah. right. I have the uh Braille X. Oh, you're the f- first person I've heard WebEx, that has
0: that. Yes. I did, I've not seen In that, yet.
2: and I, I like it a lot. Um, I will say that it takes a bit of getting used to any device, and one of the problems with single purpose devices like this one, right, it's intended to be a document reader, not a document generator, it can double as a refreshable Braille display, as Paul described, connected to a smartphone or your computer, for that matter, to give you that extra thing. But it sure really does not have an internal editor of its own. Right. But that's not what I use it for. I have on mine 500 cookbooks yeah. on one oh SD gosh. card. Wow. It replaced a room of cookbooks. <laughs> and that is hugely valuable to me.
1: A large room of cookbooks. <laughs> oh, yeah! <laughs> Very good. Um, all right. Do we have any hands, Miss Marion? We do. Area
3: code two four eight. You may unmute.
2: <clears throat> where is area code two
1: four eight? I don't know where it's two four eight. I don't recognize it. Michigan. Where? Michigan, Michigan, a Michigander.
3: Well, now they're gone. They must have lowered their hand. Um, so we have Doug's iPhone.
0: Hello, Doug. Hello. Hey, Doug. It's hey there,
4: Doug Huntsinger at Pittsburgh. Hello. How's everybody? Doug. Good. Hey, Doug. <laughs>
0: hey, Doug. We know you. I thought we were going to talk to just yeah. your iPhone. So I'm glad you're yeah, there. Yeah, but
4: don't don't admit it to too many people. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Two things. Doug. Um, um if we're going to do a help group um i think we should also include those of us who muck around and find ways to solve problems because i can't i don't know how well i would train anybody but if somebody has a problem i don't mind sitting down and trying to work with them to resolve it if you know what i'm saying
1: i absolutely do you're
3: excellent at that
1: well, and I don't so, know about that, but I <laughs> yeah, so
3: I happen to be a recipient, so I can speak to that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, so probably what we need, what we need to to and and that would actually probably be easier to set up. Uh, and and there is actually a community call now that, that that sort of does that. You know, yeah. do you have a do you have an issue with with iPhones? Yeah. This is this is uh, this is the call that you want. Um, but I, I think that's a great point, Doug. Thank you it's great yeah yeah, a a lot of times it's the one-on-one stuff where you just can't
4: get something done and and when somebody else looks at the situation even if they tandem in or remote in and can see what you're doing and then figure out what to do sometimes that's really helpful
0: doug i've learned Mm -hmm. more more just chatting with friends who have knowledge just in a circle because somebody's going to bring up something i didn't know and i think you've got a great idea
2: and yeah. to a large extent, you don't know what you don't
0: right. know. Right,
2: right. <laughs> and and yeah. can we do number
4: one for a second? You can. Um, you know, these all these expensive glasses that are out, uh, if you look at a computer screen or uh, an appliance or anything, they won't tell you only the selected item on the screen that you're looking at. And I would love to see an improved set of glasses where I could sit down at a microwave, for example, and start going through a menu and seeing what things were selected. And you know, whether it's a microwave or the BIOS of a computer or anything like that, if you could only see what what is important to you and not all the rest of the junk, that I would love to see that.
1: Now, are are you talking about? Glasses for folks who are, who are low vision,
4: no blind. Um, you know, like
2: the Envision, um,
4: envision like the glasses, glasses, for example. Yep.
2: Yeah, yeah. And and I think so we're you, getting very close to that. Yeah, take the Envision glasses and add AI to it. Yes, yes
8: they're
0: doing
2: artificial now, they're intelligence. Yep. Take a look at what you can ask. Uh, be my eyes, if you're lucky enough to have their virtual assistant in that you can ask for what it is you're looking for out of this mess that's on screen and it prioritizes what it sees and uh, can get back to you with follow-on questions so which really is what's most important
1: yeah so doug it, it's helping it. i'd love to see it <laughs> yeah sorry D- yeah. Help, help me understand a little better what your issue is because i'm not sure i'm getting it it, currently, what happens with glasses, and what do you want to happen that doesn't? Okay,
4: I have to change something on the BIOS of my computer. Yep. So I look at the screen, and it reads every single item on that screen. Well, I only need to know the one thing that's on the screen that's highlighted, so that I, when I move my cursor, I can tell where the cursor moves to activate the item I want.
1: Got it. So you you would like something that would that would allow you to zoom in, in effect, to a particular yeah. part of the screen. Yep. Um, yep. Got it now. Yeah. Got it now. And bring uh, together your keystrokes
2: along with that. A static yeah. image is not what you're looking for. You want to see. I'm okay. My cursor's up in the upper left, and now what I'm looking for is in the lower right. So I'm going to move my cursor down and to the right.
0: But you can't use right. keystrokes in the bias, and then,
2: and then see that. Take again, mm-hmm. Larry.
0: I said you can't use keystrokes while the bi- while you're in the bias, right?
2: Uh, but you can use your arrow keys.
0: Yeah, but but he mentioned keystrokes. I mean. You could okay. Yeah, you well, can use arrow, arrow keys. keys. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. To move down into the right and down into the right until you get to the area. So you're really wanting to monitor two places where you want to go. And where are you relative to the place you want to go? Yeah, and, and that's sorry, an AI. Ahead. That's an AI skill that yep. now exists. Uh, getting it commercialized so that we can do it and rely on it—it's probably going to take longer than for them to discover how to make it happen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: It, yep. It's like it, we have a toaster oven that has a dial on it, and it's a forever rotating dial it it's, has oh, a starting no. point and a <laughs> yeah. stopping point but when you turn it it always turns and if while you turn the dial you could tell which item is selected and select it. that would you know something like that that's the yeah. other kind of thing that i would like yeah. to
1: see well i i think what you do is you 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 get rid of that toaster of it
2: Oh, it's two microwave ovens that are very much (laughs) like that. There's a knob that you turn and it says popcorn, potato, frozen vegetables, that kind of thing. And you push it when you get to the one you want. Well, that's all fine and good. But if you push the defrost button, it says turn to amount and you turn it and it's click, click, (laughs) click. It stops talking at
0: that point. Mine's menu-driven, so if I press it so many times and I know what it's supposed to be, I can use it. But you're uh, right. You can't use it the way you just described.
1: Yeah. No. Nope. Uh, interesting. Doug, thank you very much. That's a, that oh. is a really good suggestion. Well, thank you. Appreciate it, Ms. Mariani. Yep. Anybody else? Yep. We
3: have um, Jewel. Mr. her hand raised.
7: Okay. I'm, I'm
3: meeting.
7: Hi. Yep. Um, so there I have are. a topic that actually kind of combines all three. Um, so I'll start with two. Oh. Um, I Sorry, As Peter. I mentioned, I lived was living in the country, and I learned how to make use of a couple of different things in order to find my way around a, an almost two acre property um, using a series of speakers and a Echo Dot that you know. Because the Wi Fi extended a little bit, I could use out there because it was on a battery stand. Um, So, you know, I found a way to use those as audio landmarks to move around the yard. Like, say I'm in the garden, I could put the echo on one side and my Bluetooth speaker on the other. And then I could orient myself in the garden at the drop of a hat. While I'm gotcha. in the garden, yep. I could say, you know, a lady and she'd say something. I could press play and the speaker would say something, I can go back and forth, and it would orient me. So what I would like to see is a kit that uses a series of waterproof Bluetooth speakers, so maybe like six of them, that you can place wherever you like in your home or in the yard or whatever. So maybe you're in a large um, square and you want to place them because you're going to be in that square for a while. And when you press a button, um, either on an app or on a a remote, you can have each speaker like it can switch the music or whatever you want to play to that speaker to help you orient to where you're going. Um, This would be especially useful for in the home or in the yard, but I could just see it also working in a classroom or in a gym. Um, and I'm not seeing anything that is a kit of speakers like that, that can be placed anywhere and then um, switched between very easily.
1: Well, it wouldn't have um, to be speakers either, would it? I mean, it could just be um, something that beeps, could it not? Well,
7: I found that the, I did have a set of six little um, ID tags that with the remote for all six beeps. Yep. However, yep. you had to be in a certain range, and they weren't very loud. So if I wasn't within about, I'd say, 10 feet of it, I couldn't hear it. So if I was on the other side of the yard, I wasn't hearing that. Gotcha. Um, it did work for within the house some, most of the time. But mm. if it was on the other side of the house, I wasn't hearing that.
1: Good so suggestion. a speaker
7: where you can change the volume would also be very helpful. Yep. And then I wanted to kind of tie in number three real quick, if I could. Um, I am going to school to finish a degree in pre OT, occupational therapy, and then planning to go on to graduate school to become an occupational therapist. And what I want to do also is get certification in assistive technology to. Um, find ways to use technology to help older people um, because I want to specialize in geriatrics, help older people remain independent in their home. And I, so I want to do a study that would find uses of um, AI and home kits to kind of customize it to the needs of people with disabilities as they get older. Um, and I'm wondering. This is where I was going to ask y'all if you know who in ACB I might talk to about this idea. Um, if I, so, when I want to do this as my thesis, um, do you know what committee that would be.
1: Sure, there. I mean, there, there, are, there are a couple of places. Um, first, in, in in terms of in terms of in in terms of ACB, I'm not sure that that we have a committee or an organization oh. except perhaps AAVL um Which where where you may find some folks and that's the um what Alliance. Oh, sure. the <laughs> American Association of how does it work
7: Yeah I don't to that one
0: on <laughs> aging Yeah C- A-A-V-L Agi- a- a-
1: aging and vision loss okay.
0: alliance on, alliance on and aging loss, and vision loss, which is A A V L. There you go.
1: Um, so I would send I would send a note to um, to their president who is now Doug Powell.
7: Um, this kind of tied in with the independent living topic earlier um, because this is occupational therapy. It's all about independence in sure, in, in your home and sure. in your life. Um, sure. You know, being more independent so that's what i was thinking it kind of ties in yep. with that um, it could help people who not only the older people but also people with disabilities in general
1: but the other thing is there is uh, there is an outfit which is run by a lady whose name is lane nasahi who lives in orlando florida called the vision serve alliance and the vision serve alliance is uh, is an organization that um, that brings all of the private agencies who work with um, older blind folks together okay. in a national organization. And if you were to, uh, to to get hold of, look at their website, which is VisionServeAlliance.org, um, okay. you'll find some ways to to contact them, and they should be able to give you some good contacts for for getting more information about the issues you're concerned about.
7: Awesome, thank you. And I really You're hope welcome. that we can figure out ways to help people be more independent because independent living is a huge part of, you know, getting through life with a disability, and it needs no to be more of a focus.
1: Thank I you, Miss Jewel.
7: Yep. Thank you. We appreciate it. get going. You will have a great day.
8: Yep.
3: Peter had his hand raised. I accidentally lowered it, but Peter, you are acknowledged.
8: Hi there. You got me this time. We yeah. do. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey hi guys. Again. Thank you for uh taking my, my, my call here. Um one of the things that I would really love to see developed, and I think we're back on topic one here. Yeah. But um a lot of the apps that are coming out now and some of the major ones that I'm working with the developers on and, and trying to employ here to uh improve accessibility and 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 have an interactive experience for people in my local museum here is you're using the camera for look-ahead technology. I'm talking about Good Maps Explorer, Navilence, uh, apps like that, that require the camera. And you have to hold the phone and you know walk around with the phone in front of you. Now you can put a velocity clip on and wear it that way, but then you're going to lose access to the screen. It would be fantastic if somebody would go ahead and come up with a pair of glasses. And I, I had thought about my friends over there at, at Bose and MIT taking the pair of Bose frames and incorporating the camera, a camera in it, you probably would have to connect it through a lightning cord just because of, of Bluetooth. It might work fine with Bluetooth maybe, but um, to be able to have that look ahead um, pickup from your, your head when you're looking around as you're looking ahead as a normal person, normal sighted person would, Instead of having to hold the phone out there and use the phone's camera, it would, it would free up a lot. It would also um, make blind users like that a little bit more um, um, mainstream is that people wouldn't, oh, you're taking a picture of me. They wouldn't really realize it, number one. And then, often, if it could be one on either of the legs to where you would get a true, you know, really large field of vision, a stereophonic 3D, that would be really uh, amazing. I think as we go forward with things like obstruction uh, technology and some of the stuff we're going to be working with, um, you know, we, we talked about some of the canes which don't have a very good field of vision with your sonar or whatever. But yep. being able to have the look ahead and as AI cranks up to be able to to um, have that pair of glasses with the cameras on it to be able to do that function of not having to hold the phone out in front of you using the phone camera. That would be incredible. You know, we've had people like Envision, they're using Google Glass. And I just read recently, Google right. Glass is going to go out of business basically with Google Glass. They're not going to do it anymore. But Envision, you have to have the app on that device. But to have a, a look ahead camera capability on, on your head, normal into a pair of, of glass frames that, that then could use as a camera and go across all the apps, that would really be something I think would be quite useful to the blind community if it could be brought down and, and you know brought to market at a reasonable price point. So that's my I think
1: I, I think that's a very good uh, a very good suggestion. Brian, do you want to add anything?
2: A couple of things. One is one of my biggest disappointments with Apple Corporation is they decided that in their Apple version of smart glasses, it's not going to include a camera and their rationale for not doing that is people don't want to be looked at by a computer device they see that as a violation of their privacy this is partly also shown what was it in facebook when they took back the skill to identify who is in a picture It'll identify who's in the picture if they're already one of your uh, contacts. But it won't tell you who's in the picture if they aren't one of your contacts. So there's this privacy thing going on that is partly, in my opinion, paranoia, not not really a, a big issue in the first place. But again, this idea of a pair of glasses, and I have a pair of Bose glasses, and the sound is spectacular on it without distorting the world around you. It's not plugs in your ears. It's speakers directed at your ears. They work wonderful. Uh, yes. They yes. work spectacular, spectacular. The latency in Bluetooth is a problem, remains a problem, uh, because people will want to do more with that than, um, than it's originally designed for. Them. So the so you so want to use no, it for okay.
1: O&M. If is the Apple glasses don't have a camera, Brian, what are they what for? Is there,
8: what for? Exactly. VR. They're VR and they're, they're very high price. And what my thought here is just, you know, you had so a lot of a lot of the stuff comes out in there for someone who's magnifying, like Eastside or whatever. Is right, what you look right, for, right, right. But people like me who are blind, I don't care how good you make the screen, I still can't see it. Um, exactly. And, and all I need is the camera look ahead. I don't need uh, a lot of this other stuff. So that's, that was my thought. And I know the privacy thing is a, is a big thing to, to work through. Obviously, if you're walking around with the camera out, your, your phone out in front of you with the camera looking forward, yeah. people are to taking the video. So that, that kind of argument is kind of you know intriguing in the fact, well, what do you do there? Plus, I think anyone who, who thinks that their privacy has not been compromised, yeah. Is, is dreaming because that ship sailed a long time ago no, yeah. I think you're there, absolutely there are right in there that. are five
1: programs out there that I can think of that that are similar to what envision does um, and and all of them are very expensive mm-hmm. so I don't I don't know if that means Peter that 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 the cost of the hardware is really high Um but i'm surprised because there are so many of them that that we aren't seeing more competition and price and the price coming down but we haven't seen that
8: i think a lot of it is because they're self-contained all-in-one units it's like i say if if you had a pair of vision glasses to use the app that app would have to be on the glasses Be partner with Mm them and my my thinking is if you just if we could just have a a look-ahead camera that that replaced the phone camera
1: yeah no go- i get i get what you're talking about yeah, i I, yeah. I i understand it yeah. um it, i i just i i'm just not sure I'm, I'm not sure maybe it's maybe it's that that there is a feeling that sighted people don't want it and so that to try to develop just for blind people would be expensive I
2: think it's a matter of scale. I think you hit it on the head, Paul. Yep. Uh, if, when these things are virtually hand-built, uh, because no factory will set up to build them when they're not going to do a couple hundred thousand units. Yeah. And that, that will be a hard sell in the blindness community. So we're always sure looking for ways to take advantage of devices that weren't designed for us. Mm-hmm. but Accomplish much of what we want. The iPhone does that for me. I recently mm-hmm. bought a new webcam for my computer, mm-hmm. and I was having my sister see whether or not I was in the image, and it was a freaky situation without the camera moving at all. Not like my uh, Show 10 that right. follows follows you around. This right. this doesn't follow voice. It processes. What's most important in a picture and makes the focus there, even if I move without it moving, it keeps me in the center of the image. That's all with digital processing
1: of what it's seeing. So I better I can buy one of those so. for cameras. <laughs>
8: yeah, there you go. I mean, so, anyway, but guys, again,
2: I was gonna say,
8: the conversation and just you know, my thoughts on that is it's one of those things that as a, the these apps crank up and we're really relying on the camera technology and right. so, oh, if you guys are familiar with with what good maps is doing inside venues with good maps explorer which is yes. amazing. um yeah those kind of apps and obstacle avoidance and all this stuff that i see coming down the pike um that's why i was trying to kind of put that in yep. you guys yep. So Peter, thank
1: thanks. Thanks very much, sir. We appreciate yeah. it. Okay. Miss Marianne, okay. Roberta, Roberta. Oh, hold
3: on, hold on. Sorry. There
6: you go, Roberta.
10: Roberta. Good evening. I, Good evening. I have something I would like to. Toss onto the table for ACB to work on. Okay. And that, and that is third party reimbursement for vision rehabilitation therapy services.
1: Talk to us more about it.
10: Okay. So, um, the vision rehabilitation therapist, which is what used to be called a rehabilitation teacher, in my opinion, is the primary. Um, go-to person for working with individuals who have had vision loss so this wouldn't yep. in my opinion be primarily this would be primarily for adventitious vision loss not congenital vision impairment yep. um, and right now vision rehab therapy is not part of the medical model so it's not reimbursable as a rehabilitation like cardiac rehab or some other medical rehab. It's not part of the education system, which leaves it sort of in the in this quasi not really in any system except if government decides to pick it
2: up. so right, and that's so what he- put us in this situation of comparing. PT, which is reimbursable. Well, and so versus, is OT. Yeah, and OT, exactly. But not vision rehabilitation in that regard. Correct.
10: And there have been efforts, as I'm sure you're both aware, over the years of trying to get vision rehab therapy covered under the Medicare system that were poorly designed and eventually had little support and few professionals outside of VRT to support the process. And after five years, basically, it didn't make it through the Medicare demonstration process. Um, so I don't know what, uh, yeah, go ahead. So,
1: what, so one of the questions that that, that I would ask you, Robert, and I don't know if you know the answer, but one of the realities of the situation now is that because occupational therapy is reimbursable under Medicare. Um, There are a lot of agencies for the blind who are actually um, taking advantage of being able to get reimbursed for their services and hiring OTs rather than VRTs. Um, Yep. Do you have thoughts about that?
10: Well, I think it's deplorable. Yes. I mean, I don't blame them. I don't blame an agency for saying, you know, we need to maintain our funding. That's why I would like to see the the vision rehab therapy be part of some kind of a reimbursable scenario so that those individuals who are trained primarily in working with adults with vision impairment, VRTs, would have a place at the table. Is, um, is
1: there is there any place for incorporating the training that's involved uh, for VRT certification into OT training.
10: Um, that's been attempted. Um, the AOTA, the Association of Occupational Therapists, whatever their membership organization is, did a program where they offered a. Vision option for certification, and it was so poorly. Um, there was such low interest that they dropped it. Um, I believe they had less than 400 people, four hundred people. For less, I I don't know the number. Um, it was a matter of a handful of hundred OTs yeah. who were interested in it. Yeah. Um, and I know that the Academy for Certification ACVREP has proposed a certification for OTs for working with people who are blind and visually impaired. But um, again, if there were no OTs interested in it, in the AOTA, I don't know why there would be anybody interested in it in any other certifying body.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, I, I think you're right, though, to raise it as an issue that ACB ought to become involved with because the, uh, clearly, there are there there continue to be huge shortages of of VRTs, and one of the reasons CVRTs. One of the reasons why that is 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 because um, is is because agencies can't afford to hire them um, because they, they aren't reimbursable as OTs are. Um, mm. So uh, so I think I think it's a good issue to send forward to ACB, um, and I think we should. Um, I wrote resolutions twenty or twenty-five years ago um, on on this topic, um, and 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 maybe it's time for another one. So, thank you for the issue,
10: for which we are grateful that you brought it, brought it forward. It's yep. a, it, that was the last generation. Now we need to bring it forward again.
1: <laughs> I think you're <laughs> right, yeah. Miss Roberta. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, Miss Marianne.
3: Beth
9: has her hand raised. Hey, Beth.
1: Got to be one or two, Miss Beth.
9: All right. Thank you. I also think that the deafblind cannot be forgotten here in ACB. And that would probably mean that a lot of the, speaking of technology stuff, a lot of the technology that we've been discussing, for example, just one example would be soundscape, would not be usable by the deaf blind. But we cannot forget that population. It may be an extremely small population, but they also deserve accessibility in all of life as much as we can possibly have.
1: Um, I think that's a good. I think that's a, a very good point. And it's um, uh, you know one of the one of the scary things is. That um, a whole set of different techniques for orientation mobility has to be developed if if a deafblind person is going to be effective in orientation mobility. So you're absolutely right to raise to raise that as an issue. And thank you, Beth.
9: And and also in for other places in life, not just O and M. I mean, it, you know, it's a whole different ball of wax. I I believe.
1: Sure it is. Uh, sure it is. But. But I was talking about O and M because you were talking about Soundscape.
2: Right.
1: Yeah. thank you. The, Thanks.
2: Yeah, the fact the fact of the matter is that I've heard a lot of discussion uh, kind of behind the scenes in the past two years where ACB's trying to find a way to be a better advocate organization for the deaf blind community. There are you know, we have our sassy committee, right? Sensory Disabilities. Sight uh, and Sound. Not committee. Yep. Yeah, sight and sound. Yep. And they work at that uh, all the time. But even everyday mundane things that you would think, you know, there's one thing I can't stand. It's an entity that thinks others should do better than they do themselves. So I don't want ACB having uh, an attitude that, Hey, people out there, you should be doing better for the deaf blind, but ACB doesn't do better for the deaf blind. Mm-hmm. So we use assistive listening devices at our conventions and meetings, right? Um, and that there's a significant commitment to that, but it's imperfect. It's imperfect. At last year's banquet, I guess that uh, the unit's weren't set up early enough to be tested before the banquet began and as a result those who relied on those devices didn't hear most of the evening's activities so we need to make a a concerted effort as an organization to make that possible now that possible uh, financially can't mean that we provide a personal guide and interpreter to all deaf-blind people who would like to come to the convention. That is hugely cost-prohibitive, hugely cost-prohibitive. Um, I say we can't. We could. We could stop doing some other things in order to get the money to make that happen. But it is a issue of, of attitude on our part and financial uh considerations to make sure that we can live up to it once you start providing a service you must in my opinion opinion at least you must
1: continue to provide it yeah uh, i think i think we've got to be careful too we we may be able to provide some interpreting and then we already do if it's requested but uh, but we certainly can't provide the, the, the kind of uh personal support services that that many deafblind folks want when they're a convention we can't afford those exactly. um yep is there another hand miss Marion
3: Carla had her hand up
1: miss carla one or two you hear me yep mm-hmm. now I we can you. yes
11: okay how about one and two real quick
1: very good Go for it.
11: All righty. Um, first of all, um, for number one, um, I would like to see a pure Braille note taker come back. Sometimes you don't want a tablet. Sometimes you don't want something that's going to, you, you know, that's going to do Google this and Google that. You just want a note taker that you can take on the road with a good editor that you can infl- that you can interpose or you can print from directly um that you know you just that that's what you need i mean i'm still i, I still don't think that the um, braille no touch plus and <laughs> can do all the things that an apex can do and you know i mean if you just need that so that's my number one okay and my number two is the product that i got um, in the last year that um and I'm not going to speak very long about this because I already have, and that's my blind shell. I'm glad mm-hmm. I got it. It does everything I want it to do, and it keeps doing more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And I'm very satisfied and happy with it. And I'm glad. Now, are you,
1: I are you talking on it as we speak?
11: No, I'm talking on my computer. I'm, I call it, you know, ah, on computer. there you go excellent but um no but getting back to i mean it's i i think that some people sometimes just need just want a note taker with a good Mm -hmm. editor maybe you know the alarms a smart calendar in it can tell you how many days till christmas (laughs) (coughs) yeah (laughs) i'm just kidding there by the way (laughs) um, in case you're interested there are 265 but
1: thank you i appreciate that
11: yeah, 265 shopping days. You better get on it. Uh, but,
1: um uh, but that's, it that's
11: what I that's what right I, I wish. I just yeah. wish that, th- that that's what I like to see. And I, I was thinking it might happen with the B2G, but of course it didn't.
1: Well, <laughs> it 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 actually did, but it it was just so complicated to learn. And and it and it also, I mean, the B2G eventually became very cheap. I mean, I bought one for twelve hundred bucks.
11: Mm-hmm. And did you but like it? No. <laughs> it, it wasn't easy enough. That's what I mean. It's it, simple note taker.
1: Right. Now, if you could have the Braille light back, would you have that?
11: Yep. Yes, I would. Bertram. His name was Bertram. I get all yeah. my devices names because they last longer. <laughs> the
6: Very Bertram. Good.
11: Yes, Bertram. Yeah. Um, in fact, I wrote this poem about the day that Bertram died. <laughs> but yes I, w- I would like to yeah. turn back you could print from bertram uh, you could and you yep. could you could do some fairly good word processing even with some good formatting Yep. One thing I liked about the APEX is I could do a multilingual document with, um, you know, just a universal bunch um, mm-hmm. of macros for a language set. Because in my line of work, sometimes I have to have a, a document that has several languages in it. Yeah, it, it just this the way that the, the modern ones do it, it they don't they don't do it right. They you know, I mean, there's there are always problems when you have one yep. language. Yep. So that's what I'm going to say.
1: You know, Thank you, Miss Carla. Right, we welcome. appreciate Thank it. You. Yep. Got one more call, Miss Variant? Yes,
11: Scott
3: Edwards.
1: Hey, Scott Edwards.
3: You may unmute.
1: I know
12: I know the Edwards part. Oh yeah, of course. Well, first of all, I think the the concern among many is that these like specialized note takers that like Carla was mentioning, it's not an ideal configuration for uh, for um, learning and mastering the today's mainstream technology for running various apps and computer skills. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's not the ideal for that, and so that's why Orbit Research is working on this on this Optima laptop, the Braille laptop, because mm-hmm. it will be. Or mainstream type, you know, it's not the ideal solution for you know, and that's. I think the guy this guy Audi Kushner, I think he mentioned yep. from Israel, he said mm-hmm. he was saying in some at some point that that uh, kids kids in Israel blind kids are given a combination mainstream and adaptive, so that they mm-hmm. can learn the mainstream skills. Um, I, I would go back to. Um, to the, the, what I think it was Doug Hunsinger mentioned earlier yep. about yep. the, I, I would like to see if I were going to get glasses of some kind, I would, I would le- definitely like to see a screen reading mode and for not just computer screens, but any kind of display, uh, where that, that, would, so that uh, you could look
1: at a sign or a bulletin board or something like that and it would well, it would allow you to read it.
12: Yeah well, or well any I mean not just that. I mean any anything else with a with a screen on it with a that display show, of any kind yeah, yes. yeah, it would show the uh, highlighted what's being in, in a menu if if it's all menu driven and shows my the items in the menu that are that it's focused on so that you know where you are, not just reading the whole screen to you. Yep. So that's my
1: excellent Thank you, Mr. Scott.
12: Yeah, thanks.
1: Appreciate the call.
12: We appreciate it,
1: Mr. Brian, You have a minute to talk about okay. final things.
2: I would love it if those who were inventors asked what we needed, rather than coming up with something they thought we could use. Exactly. There's a big difference exactly. between those approaches. And I'm lucky enough. I'm working with uh, engineering students at Olin engineering school here on devices that they're thinking of putting together for, in their case, it was for uh, mobility-related activities, rather orientation, not just mobility. But that would be the number one thing. The number two thing is I want a set of devices that pull together similar activities. I'd like a device that when I open up my closet, I could reach for the device and select my clothing. That's yeah. all I wanted to do is help me in the wardrobe, only in the wardrobe. It doesn't have to be good at everything. It needs to be really good at this one thing. I'd like a yeah, client to go in my that. kitchen that does yeah. the same kind of thing. I now, are, wanna... are, are you talking about Not a robot systems. or
1: are you talking about an app?
2: I'm talking about a device slash app. Ah. So when I'm in the kitchen, I want to be able to uh, identify things in cupboards. I want to be able to uh, read the stove indication of how much time is left on the timer or what the temperature is set at. And same thing for a microwave. The list goes on and on of things in a kitchen that are should be able to make a single device that's the kitchen device. A single device. That's the wardrobe device. A single device. That's the uh, gardening
1: device. Thank you, okay. Mr. Brian. Um, ladies and gentlemen, we we have identified more problems than we've solved tonight, and that was really the purpose of Tuesday topics this evening. We hope that ACB is listening. We hope inventors are listening, and. We hope that people who've brought new products to the market are listening so that you can get an idea of the things that we like and the things that we don't. Next week on Tuesday Topics, we'll be talking a good deal about voting. How did it go last year at ACB? What are the changes that are proposed for this year? How will they help us as compared to last year? And What do we need to do beyond the changes that we've already made this year? In the meantime, talk among yourselves and good night.